You're on the panel, RNZ National, Wallace Chapman here, Nalini Baruch and Martin Bosley with us this afternoon, Friday. By the way, Bellamese is operated by Logan Brown, not uh, owned. Just a clarification there. Now to England, where Liz Truss has resigned as Prime Minister after 45 days in office, marked by turmoil, turmoil triggering the second Tory leadership election in four months. This was from the opening of BBC Two's Newsnight in the UK, taking some inspiration from Rihanna when covering her resignation outside Downing Street. You look so dumb right now. I came into office at a time of great economic and international instability. Please, just cut it out. It's a snip there from what the BBC Newsnight ran. Anyway, her resignation comes after a period of economic turbulence, announcing 89 billion New Zealand dollars of unfunded tax cuts for the wealthy that sent financial markets into a spin. Well, seven days ago, the Daily Star set up a webcam on a 60p iceberg lettuce to see if it would have a longer shelf life than the Prime Minister. The lettuce won. The Daily Star said there are calls now for the lettuce to be Prime Minister, but could stay, could face stiff competition. Someone wants to come back. With us is Associate Professor Neil Curtis from Screen and Media Studies at the University of Auckland. Neil, kia ora. Kia ora. It's the shortest serving Prime Minister in British history. Liz Trust resigned. Was this the only option for her? Um, I think it was, yeah. Um, she had nowhere to go. Um, her party had, had um, well, she'd lost the party. Um, she'd lost the parliamentary party. She lost the media, even the Daily Mail, who kind of two weeks before had been cheering her and saying it's the best thing that could possibly happen. Um, so she lost everything. So I don't see that she had a, a choice, really. She tried to dig in at the start, you know, sort of really go hard and double down. And some had, some commentators had compared uh, that, those tactics or techniques to uh, Margaret Thatcher. Um, Were those comparisons ever accurate? No, not at all. I mean, this is a woman who used to cosplay Margaret Thatcher. She dresses up as her all the time. Um, I mean, every politician doubles down when they've made a stupid mistake or a decision, or, or, or pursue some kind of dogmatic policy, um, they don't want to admit they were immediately wrong. But there's, there's nothing Margaret Thatcher-like in that. That's unfortunately kind of regular fare for politicians these days. So where to now, Neil? I mean, there was a widely shared comment in The Guardian that the new regime is going to its default position of a failed state. Yet another Prime Minister with no general election, no mandate. We used to laugh at Italy. Now the joke's on us. Does there need to be some sort of clear mandate? Maybe a general election? Oh, no, there has to be a general election. There absolutely has to be. And you have to remember that this is the failure... Uh, you know, I have to see this as a long process going back all the way back to 79. And this is where Thatcher comes in. But, you know, Truss was a, a, a dogmatist, a Thatcherite dogmatist. But she was also somebody that would do anything for power. She had no real kind of knowledge of economics. And this is what happens when you get 
talentless people who will do anything for power who are dogmatically driven. And I don't see anybody in the current Tory party who's going to do anything differently. So a, a general election is absolutely necessary. All oh, right, let's bring our panel. What thoughts do they have? Nalini, you've been following this? Yes, I have been. Um, it's hard not to unless you're under a rock or something. Mm. Um, Neil, hi. Um, hi. I'm sort of thinking, uh, I'm personally, I'm over this whole presidential type elections, you know. It's all about the leader. And if you don't like the leader, if you don't like the sound of the leader, then the whole, she has to go. Somebody else has to step in tomorrow. I'm just wondering, is this signaling that we need to go back to where the party has importance, the policies have importance, and if they don't work, then maybe we need to look at a new party in power. I mean, the Tories have been in for, what, 12 and a half years, so they've probably become over-familiar with with running a a country, and maybe they can't see beyond their noses anymore. And I'm just wondering if it's time really to have not just an election, but to look at what it is that society really needs right now, which is good long-term policies, not what colour dress somebody's wearing, whether she's you know, featuring as somebody, a, a prime minister of the past. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. I mean, we've gradually slipped towards a kind of very mediated politics. I think people are all familiar with this, mm. right? So, you know, a politician needs some kind of level of charisma or some sort of brand, you know, Johnson with his stupid hair and his bumbling. And um, so it's a deeper systemic problem, right, to do with sort of media, sloganeering, catchphrases, clickbait, mm. you know, three-word slogans. Johnson is good at that. Yeah, he was very good at that, you know. Yeah. But, yes, yeah. It, it's, 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 it's evidence of almost a constitutional crisis, right, that you can just keep yes. putting new people in, in that most important post with absolutely that's no right. mandate whatsoever. You know, it's, it's, um, that's it's right. terrible for democracy. All right, Martin. Thank you. Yeah, Neil. Oh, kia ora, kia ora Neil. Um, well, I think two, two, two questions for me. One, one, the first question is, I mean, surely it's, a dem- I mean, it's an imperative, right, that there's as in a, you know, sort of a democratic imperative that there's a new election held. Yeah. And, and, and the other one is... Um, I'm not sure. I've got no idea how the sort of constitution works. But at some point, can King Charles sort of dissolve Parliament and go? This is, as you just said, they, they've mm-hmm. not only. I mean, they've just no. lost everything. They've more than lost. They've more than lost the dressing room here. They've lost. They've lost everything. I mean, you know that it's time to go. Look, this is just an absolute mess. We need to start all yeah, over he, again. He, as Nalini said, you know? he can't do that because the monarch only has symbolic power. I mean, mm. there might be some really arcane law that allowed him to do something, but I'm not familiar with anything like that because it's a purely symbolic role. I mean, he effectively killed her when there was that video came out of her meeting him and he said to her back yeah. again and then mumbled, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I replayed that time and time again. Yeah, that was, that was unreal, right? Um, so yeah. no, nothing can be done. It's all down to the party that's in power. They can announce it. And really, these days we need the media. But the, the media in the UK is so invested in uh, this kind of project, this sort of Brexit, um, neoliberal, you know, trickle down project that um, the media are going to try and find somebody to replace her. I think, but it's it's a nightmare. Yeah. Now, but in is it, I mean, keep sorry, going. Martin. I was, was going to say, oh, no, okay, thank you. It was, um, I mean, Boris, Johnson was a, is a master strategist, right? Is it is it possible that mm. 
you know, he's actually sort of behind this. He threw his way behind trust when it came down to, to her <laughs> and, um, and Senek, right? He's he sort of he he knew she'd be useless at the role, uh, just waiting his time mm-hmm. off to the Caribbean, bit of a holiday, let let this all fall apart, and he'll just come strolling back in and go, look, you know, you're welcome back with yeah. open arms. Yeah, no, I don't think he'd be behind anything. This, mm-hmm. I think he'd be very happy mm-hmm. it's happened. But you see, what you got to remember about Johnson, the man is utterly useless, and yes, he's charismatic. Which is why you yeah. put Sunak in number 11, because Sunak is a, a, a real kind of technocrat, right? And a, and a nerd. So um, <laughs> Johnson could be the buffoon while he knew that Sunak would keep some sense of order over the economy, right? Because Johnson just doesn't want to do anything. He just wants power. That's all he's interested yeah. in. And, and the sort of cronyism where he kind of rewards the people that back, that back him. Um, and I think what happened with Trust, she came in thinking, oh, I can do, you know, more of this trickle-down stuff. And, and her ideology, her dogma just bumped into reality. And they said, well, you know, all this lending, where's it going to come from? And the banks got mm-hmm. spooked. And if you lose the banks, you know, that's it. Right. Yes. Hey, just finally, before we yeah. go, Neil, um, yeah. and in all of this is the public, you know, suffering under some pretty enormous yeah. costs there. Um, yeah. I can imagine the sentiment of the British public. They'll be really sick of this. They'll be really wanting less volatility in the years to come. Well, can I say this? This this, this epitome of what's happened with trust, right? Trust goes in and the first thing is to think, how can I further enrich the rich, right? That doesn't work. Yeah. It implodes because it's too mm. too radical, mm. even for a system that wants to do that, right? So the next thing they do, they get Jeremy Hunt in, and his next first response is, okay, we're not going to enrich the rich, we're just going to go after the poor again and announce his austerity too, as if austerity has ever finished over the last, um, since 2008 and the financial crisis, right? Mm. So this seems to be the two poles of, of modern conservatism, right? And it's, and it's not effective. It can't function any longer. All right, very good to have you here, Neil. That's uh, Neil Curtis, the Associate Professor from the University of Auckland, 17 past four. I'd be very interested to know, if you are from the UK, uh, if you're originally from Britain, um, what do you make of uh, the developments there? Do you, um, do you applaud it? Who do you see being? Would you like Boris Johnson to get back in or somebody else? Text me, 2101. Email the panel at rnz.co. So, as you may recall, floods hit the centre of Nelson, the likes of which had never been seen for years at least. The Mai Tai River running through the city overran its pretty high banks. Many inner-city homes in the water. Didn't end there. It rained so much that the land became sodden, and the next issue to contend with were homes in danger of slipping. Some homes did. But many Nelsonians are grappling still with the aftermath. The repair bill? Huge. So we thought we'd check in with the new Mayor of Nelson, Dr. Nick Smith. Nick, kia ora. Good to have you on the programme. Uh, kia ora. Good to join uh, Wallace and, and your team on the panel. Yeah, now, you have been a Nelson local for some time. I've lived many years in Nelson, next to the Mai Tai. Had you ever seen waters like this? No, it was extraordinary. We get about a metre of rainfall per year in Nelson, we got that in four days. What was extraordinary was, one was it was a very wet winter, so the ground was very wet in the first place. And then we had the first day storm, uh, and we sort of thought that was it. The Met Service sort of said, well, look, 
there's another one coming, but we expect it to go straight through. We effectively had sort of almost three storms in one. The scale of the damage is unprecedented in Nelson's history. We had a nasty storm through a decade ago that cost us about 15 million. Uh, the best estimate that the council officials can give me is this one somewhere between 40 and 60 million. Wow. And I want to stress, Wallace, that's just the bill for the council's infrastructure. Yeah. Of course, uh, we've got the bill that uh, will come for homeowners and insurers. I think that will be north of 100 million. And then, of course, you've got government infrastructure. And the issue we're grappling with this week is the State Highway 6 between Nelson and Marlborough is so damaged that Whakakatahi, NZTA, is now going to be closing that for seven weeks. We're pretty nervous. They say they're going to get the job done by 18 December. Like all of New Zealand's visitor and hospitality industry, they've had a hammering over the last two years. They're holding on you know, by the tenterhooks, and that summer season is just so yeah. important for Nelson. Oh. You get Christchurch, you get Wellington, you know, come to enjoy our beaches and sun. We just have to get no, no. that job. I understand, I understand, Nick. Yes, yeah, summer is everything in Nelson. Uh, so in the Nelson Council's 160-year history, this is the greatest natural disaster. Some really big numbers. That's just for council infrastructure, 40 to $60 million. Where do you want the money to come from? Well, the, the point I'm making, and I have to firstly thank uh, uh, the Prime Minister, uh, her Minister of uh, of Emergency Management, uh, as well as the uh, new Labour uh, MP, Rachel Boyack, have been really good. Uh, they provide us funding for the Mayor Relief Fund. Uh, they have committed to helping us with the $6 million, and I stress that 40 to $60 million is on top of the $6 million that we've already spent on the emergency phase. Uh, my point is, look, Nelson taxpayers uh, indirectly contributed heavily to the um, the Christchurch earthquake, the floods in Buller and Buller in Edgecombe, the Kaikoura earthquake. Uh, literally, this was uh, Nelson's big rainy day, and, and we're going to need help. I've got meetings uh, with the Minister of Emergency Services next week, and, and we'll be wanting Right. To press a case that we need a hand. Okay, so we've got a panel with us, uh, both Martin Nalini. Nalini, you're from, you know, uh, a small centre, uh, a lot smaller than Nelson. Nonetheless, you could probably appreciate um, this whopping bill um, uh, um, for a small place. I can appreciate that and I can appreciate the effects of the flooding because we had quite a bit of flooding here too. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, Ponatahi Road, half of Ponatahi Road is almost washed away and I'm waiting to find out what happens there. Um, my, uh, what I wanted to know from Nick Smith, hi, hi Mayor, um, the priority for you must, probably, must sh- surely be the raw water pipelines, right? Yeah, that's a real worry. So we've got the Mai Tai Dam and- installed 40 years ago it's about an 800 millimetre diameter pipe. Uh, it's been wiped out. Uh, I'm sitting here nervously. Look, I have to give huge credit to the engineering staff at the council that uh, 10 years ago were nervous about it. They put a supplementary line in. We'd have no drinking water right now. Uh, it was actually a bit of a miracle to get through an event of the scale 
and uh, we never even had to issue a boiling water notice. Yeah. And that's yeah. to the credit mm. of the resilience, and there's letters, the lessons for New Zealanders in that, that actually your infrastructure systems need to have backup. Uh, we've got work going at, at about a half a million dollar bill uh, to fix that section of pipe. Uh, the new council visited that site, very encouraged by the progress. I'm hoping by November... Uh, we will have that main pipeline from the dam reconnected. All right, Martin. Oh, I think it was. Kia ora, Mayor Smith. Um, yeah, um, I mean, a terrible, terrible thing. And I, I, I sort of, in some respects, draws comparisons to the Christchurch earthquake, I guess, in terms of um, the support that you, you know, that, that the region needs. And I, surely something that, that funding needs to come from central government to help you help you out here. I mean, the ratepayers can't be expected to, to fork out 40 to 60 million, as you say, just to repair basic infrastructure, let alone everything else that's got to go along here. Um, I mean, I don't know where you begin. I mean, I just think, you know, the mental stress alone for, for, for the people that are, you know, that are, that are directly affected by this, the seven-week road closures, as you say, I mean, you know, I just hope these people are getting effective support mentally as well as financially. Yeah, and those homes, people's homes too, Nelson, really affected. Yeah. But, but, but Nick, before really you go, affected. before you go, can I ask you too, I mean, this is a, a, a massive thing, but let's not um, put our head in the sand. We're going to see more of these types of mm. uh, events, <laughs> uh, whatever town may be next. What's the status of that proposed new wonderful library that's going ahead? I mean, you're just, you're just into the role, but it's not too far from the water, the Montai River there. Will that have to be re-looked at, re-engineered, rejigged? The, the, the library was one of the major controversies that literally became under, sort of washed away uh, when the storm came through uh, in the middle of the local election campaign. It's a $46 million proposal. There are two big blocks of opposition. One group are very concerned that the cost of it over the last three years has grown from 12 to 46 million. And so there was a big push uh, from ratepayers, hey, just too much. And then there was another group of Nelsonians that were very concerned about its vulnerability, it being right on the Maitai River. Uh, the first motion that I will be putting to the council will be to put that uh, library uh, proposal on ice. I don't think it's affordable in the current circumstances as well as those questions of risk around it. We've got an immediate issue with some tiles, uh, roof ceiling tiles in that library uh, to be able to get it reopened. It's been closed because of a, an earthquake risk issue. Uh, my key priority will be actually getting on and dealing uh, with that issue. Okay. There will be a longer-term question uh, about the, the future of the library, but it's just a, a, a no-go in the current climate. The right. other thing that I'd say to the panel is what I really picked up during the local election campaign is a bit of a, a, a real shift in public mood in that they are really feeling the financial pressure both households and businesses, and so are really looking at, look, I'm not a fan of austerity, but these are economic times in which the public, whether it be central or local government, are expecting us to be extra careful spending their money when they're under so much pressure. Yeah, but you also want places like Nelson to go ahead and thrive. And that, that takes a bit of spending as well. And like you want a good it library, does. you want a good facility. I reckon the most difficult line for us to navigate in local government 
is doing enough that your town remains refreshed and new. You just can't let it stall and go backwards. On the other hand, if you overdo it, you'll get burnt off by the cost that you'll impose on the ratepayers. And if I can navigate that line, I might survive. Dr. Nick Smith, thanks for your time. That's uh, Mayor of Nelson. Sorry, Nalini, we've got to move on because this person Mm. is waiting. Back to road cones. Uh, We had so much response to this. We had an interesting observation from a Cantabrian listener. In fact, he runs a competition with a road cone as a prize. Now, the backdrop to this was... Simon Wilson, he's the senior writer for the New Zealand Herald, talking about, uh, amongst other things, road cones on the programme yesterday. This is uh, Wayne Brown who put out a um, letter saying you know, he wants to look at the unnecessary road cones, amongst other things. And boy, did we get a huge response when Simon Wilson said that road cones are actually a sign of progress of a city. No road cones? Yes, city's not doing anything. Boy, did we have... Um, feedback against that. But one person who thinks maybe he's got a point is Matt Campster from Autotahi. Matt, kia ora. Good to have you on. Kia ora, Wallace. We, we forget, don't we, Matt? It's not Auckland that's the capital of Rome Cones. For many years it was Christchurch. It might well still be. Uh, I think there's definitely fewer in the last few years, but as a contemporary, I think uh, we, we know a few things about road cones here in Christchurch. Yeah. What's your competition? Uh, it's called the New Zealand Stout Challenge. Um, I run it with uh, a friend of mine who owns it uh, called Punky Brewster, based in Norcross, and uh, it's 20 of the best uh, stouts uh, from around New Zealand, different breweries, and uh, we thought, well, what's something quintessentially Christchurch uh, when it comes to the trophy? And uh, five years ago, we couldn't go past a, a road cone. Yeah, you showed me pictures of it, and uh, it looks pretty. Uh, well, it looks pretty epic. Um, so you re- you agree with Simon? You say that road cones are a sign of your words, progress and renewal. I, I think so. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of renewal to go on uh, down in There's Still a lot to, to happen. Um, over the course of the last 10, 10 years, the fact we're seeing less now is great for us, but um, for a long time there, if we didn't see a road cone, what was happening, you know, it would just be another derelict building, another uh, torn up road, and uh, right. it definitely has a good side. Yeah, not many, there wouldn't be many road cones in your area, Nalini. Uh, no, I was going to say when you see a road cone, usually means there's a slippage, yeah. or, or water pipes are broken, so no, and the Rimataka Hill has had a few of those lately. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean Auckland. I've just come back from Auckland. You guys are the capital of road cones. You, no, you notice then... them? You notice them? <laughs> it's oh, very yeah. hard not to. And I, I particularly when uh, when you see a car in front of you who has just caught one of the cones, you know, it's like, uh oh, yeah, we'll hey, be stuck well... here while he gets out to to retrieve it. <laughs> hey, good on you, Matt. Thanks for being with us, and uh, all the best with the uh, with the competition. No worries, Wallace. Thank you. Very good. Uh, you are on the panel uh, with uh, Nalini Baruch and Martin Bosley today. Uh, it is 4.30. Now, a bit of response here regarding um, those from the UK. Uh, listen, in Lavinia in Wellington says, I'm from the UK, Wallace. I believe the country needs stability at the moment. It seems like constant chaos and the people are the subject of all of this. I'd like to see someone else in government who displays proper consideration and respect to all people and not just a certain segment. David, Christchurch, expat, 30 years. How can Johnson get any support to go back in? His party have only just given him a no-confidence vote for his lack of leadership and being a liar 
David's point of view here, surely untenable to turn around on this devastating assassination of character.